Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about that coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you weekly author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest upcoming cozy mystery releases. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. Hello, my cozy friends. Welcome to another episode of Get Cozy Podcast. I am so, so excited about today's episode. Not only are we chatting about one of my favorite topics, lovable cast of characters and cozies, but we also have the author of my very favorite cozy mystery series here today as well. She's the author of the Bake Shop Mysteries as well as the Sloan Krause Mysteries. She's also a Pacific Northwest native who spends ample time testing pastry recipes in her home kitchen or at one of the many famed coffee houses nearby. When she's not coated in flour, you'll find her outside exploring hiking trails and trying to burn off calories consumed in the name of research. Welcome, Ellie Alexander. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my goodness, it's my pleasure to have you. Um, The Bake Shop Mysteries and the Sloan Cross Mysteries are like number one and number two on my Cozy Mystery Series favorites list, so it is just such a treat to get to chat with you. Oh my gosh, that makes my day. (laughs) So I could talk all day about your books, both because I'm such a huge fan and also because you've published over 25 books now. Um, But in the interest of time, we'll focus on the Bake Shop Mysteries and your upcoming novel in that series, Bake, Borrow, and Still, which comes out on December 28th. So do you want to start by telling us what that book is all about? Yeah, sure. I kind of have to pinch myself because I'm like, have I really written that many books? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is the 14th book in the Bake Shop Mystery series, and it is going to take place at this gorgeous Southern um, Oregon Museum of Art. The campus of Southern Oregon University is a real place here in Ashland. What I love to do is take little pieces of real spaces and fictionalize them. So there really is a beautiful art museum on campus and that's kind of the launching point for this story. The theme is that Jules and her team at the bake shop, Tort, where she works, have been hired to cater a gala event for this big unveiling of one of Shakespeare's lost manuscripts. And so they're making, you know, Elizabethan style feasts and old world pastries and chocolate art sculptures. And it's a huge event. The the biggest thing that Southern Oregon has seen in years. And um, then the manuscript goes missing and Jules is on the case. And of course, there might be some murder thrown in as well. (laughs) Of course. Oh, I love that premise. Um, How many more books can us fans expect in that series right now? Well, I just signed a new contract through book 18. So for sure through book 18, and I have many, many, many ideas for where I would love Jules to go after that. I love getting to write a long running series. I love (laughs) reading long running series myself too. So it's fun to be on the other side of that now and go, oh, you know, I, you just end up having a lot more space to work with character development that way. So the secondary cast of characters gets to come alive a little bit. And I really love exploring Juliet's growth arc as a character over the course of time too that feels like Mm -hmm. such a gift yeah absolutely and man I am so excited to get to read at least through book 18 and fingers crossed much longer um because I also really just love the long-running series and getting to immerse yourself in the cozy communities with all of the characters it's just so much fun 
I know. And one of the hard things on the writing side of it for me is when I'm starting a new manuscript again, I'm so excited to return to these characters in this world that I have to remember only lives in my own head. Right. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, you know, let's talk a little bit more about what's, what is Andy making at the bake shop? And then I'm like, no, I also, there has to be a body, like get to the murder. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I equally love the parts of your stories where you dig into the subplots and the side characters just as much as the murder mysteries. So they're just such a delight to read. And speaking of which, today we do want to talk about those lovable casts of characters and cozies. And you do absolutely have some of the most lovable characters I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And while I always think it's important for authors to develop their characters, I do feel like cozy authors really go above and beyond to give us a full cast of characters who are just like fully fleshed out and feel like real friends. So why do you think that is so essential in the cozy mystery genre particularly? Yeah, I mean, I really think that's sort of the juxtaposition of oh. um, the cozy itself, because on the one hand, you have this crime that has thrown everything out of balance. And then really the mission of the cozy is to have this community come together to rally around each other for support and to hopefully put a killer behind bars at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so I think unlike maybe, you know, um, a thriller or true crime where there's just a lot of action and focus on um, kind of finding who done it and and tracking down a killer then the cozy the focus is so much more on relationships and i think that's one of the reasons they tend to be set in small towns or villages because you're really hopefully offering readers a glimpse into a full community and a cast of characters um which i love as a writer and kind of like what i was alluding to before it's hard sometimes because i get so wrapped up in these characters stories and you know, the challenges that they have in their lives and all these other secondary subplots that, um, you know, obviously the murder has to take center stage at some point in time. Um, but it is really, I think, one of the reasons that as a reader myself, I'm drawn to the genre because every time I open, you know, one of my favorite series and I feel like I'm meeting old friends again. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope that someone reading my books is also going to take away. Right. I completely agree. And as a reader, it's really that cast of characters and those stories and subplots that makes me want to keep coming back to the series book after book. And it makes me feel like I really get to be a part of their little cozy communities. And it's just so much fun. Yeah. I mean, they're almost like a modern day fairy tale in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, too, because you often have a sleuth who's doing something that seems really dreamy or romantic in real life there's probably a lot more work that goes into owning a bake shop but you know for me it's sort of like I get to live out this dream vicariously on the page through jewels and I think a lot of us resonate with that when we're you know escaping to a vineyard or you know a beautiful island where my friend Hannah Dennison writes a series um that's set um in the Sicily Islands with this oh, yeah. lighthouse and you know anything like that I think we have some of that wish fulfillment that gets to come through when we escape into these worlds. Yeah. And I feel like it really comes through in the text, like how much fun it is for you to write the books. Like we sense that as readers and it helps us like enjoy it just as much. So I just love that. And in reading your books, it truly seems like Jules and her team are real people. And I feel like I actually know each one of them. So how do you approach developing your characters in such a believable way? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I think some of it has happened organically. When I first started writing this series, I, I spent a lot of time on character development. I still, I saved all the sheets that I first created, you know, so I would do these like collages and I created playlists and um, outfits or what certain rooms and characters' houses would be like. And really in hindsight, I think that was just because I didn't know how to plot early on. And so uh -huh. I'm like, oh, I'm just really going to build this world. And, and then once I had done that and with the gift of time, I remember when I would first go listen to authors talk they would all always talk about their characters just sort of going off script and doing these things that they mm -hmm. hadn't directed you know and i had never had that experience early on in my writing i thought that that was just like next level and or maybe they were lying and, <laughs> um, you know it really does start to happen that these characters I will have a vision in my head of where a, a certain story's going and I'm halfway into a manuscript and I find my hands are just like typing this whole other plot that I never imagined. And it's always better, always better. Um, so I think some of it is just figuring out like how we get out of our own head and just really tap into that creative process. Um, I will also say that the one con to living in a place that I write about is there is really not a day that goes by when I'm not out walking in Ashland. And I think to mm -hmm. myself, I should, I should pop into tort and like, go see what Sterling's up to. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Okay. They're not real. Stop. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's fascinating. Um, and you do hear authors talk a lot about how their characters just kind of come alive and have a mind of their own. And that's just so interesting to hear about as a reader, I completely believe you because they feel like real people as we're reading the books. Um, but that's really interesting. And I do know that you teach your own writing course. So for our listeners who may be aspiring cozy mystery authors, um, do you want to tell us about that and how they could possibly sign up? Sure. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> I feel like having writing students is a bit like um, having kids all over again uh -huh. because I'm so invested in my students' success. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been so fun to break down the process of what I have learned over the course of writing 25 books plus. And um, I think the whole goal of it is to really give new writers a baseline and a structure. So the course is independent in that they're all video series and then we have a private Facebook group where everybody is super supportive and you can ask me questions and ask other writers questions but really the goal is to give new writers a foundation for all of that structure for world building for plotting for um the back end of publishing, you know, how you find an agent, how you write a book proposal, query letters, all of that. And then my hope is after writers have finished their own first draft that in that process, they're going to also learn what works for them. Because I think when I was first writing, I was just sort of like piecemealing so many things together. I didn't have that firm foundation. And, and then through that process, we all learn, okay, this next time I write a book, I'm going to take these pieces and not that. So um, mm -hmm. it's, it's been a delight to get to see the other side of that process and cheer people on because I am a firm believer that we need, we need more stories out in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's so neat um, that you're kind of like giving back to the writing community like that, because 
as a writer, it's just so essential to get that feedback from someone who's kind of gone through the process and can kind of help you through the process because it's it's hard. It is such a complicated process. Yeah. And I think um, I think it's such a, you know, the creative world, you're you're so independent for the most part. It's usually me, you know, in front of my computer, just typing out words every day and and you sort of live in this isolated space in some ways. And so it, I think not only having structure and a foundation, but another group of people who are there to really like cheer you on and be supportive and also hold you mm -hmm. accountable is so important in the process. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And I've heard like nothing but good things about your class. Um, Cortagonist, uh, she does the YouTube channel about cozy mysteries and she's just wonderful and I've heard her raving about the course so I definitely want to check it out and I'm sure like a bunch of our listeners will as well so that's really neat yay well and I mean even if you don't if somebody's listening and you want to write and you know you're not even ready to take that next step of taking a course like just start writing that's always my advice because I think the the process of putting words and thoughts to a page is, is just, there's nothing like it. Um, and even, you know, a lot of times maybe the first thing you write isn't going to end up being the thing, but that's okay. Cause it's all practice. It's you're creating muscle memory in that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such great advice. Um, and, you know, coming from someone who does do such a great job of developing these characters. Um, I just think that could be just invaluable feedback for anybody that's looking to write a cozy specifically. Yes. Um, and speaking of your characters, Jules is just such a great character herself. And while she's always clearly the main character in the Bake Shop Mysteries, it does seem like you intentionally give each of your side characters a book where they get the chance to shine as well. Um, in Mocha, she wrote, for example, I loved getting to know Andy a little bit better. I just absolutely adore him. And I'm wondering which of your characters we can expect to see more of in your upcoming books. Yeah, again, that's just um, been some, such an unexpected surprise of writing a long running series now because early on, I just didn't have the page space because uh -huh. we were so focused on developing that initial cast. Let's see, we're going to hear a lot more from Steph and Sterling. I don't, I hate giving any spoilers, um, but they have, um, both of them are getting more page time for sure coming up. And I actually have an idea in the back of my head for a little bit of a deeper dive into Richard Lord's backstory. Richard Lord Ooh. is <laughs> Juliet's nemesis. Um, so I have a thought for that, but we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. And I actually did uh, read Bake, Borrow, and Steal already. And I uh, really liked getting to read a little bit more about Rosa in that one. She's a really fun character as well. I love Rosa. Yeah. And as the series has gone on, the staff at the bake shop have expanded like would happen mm -hmm. in real life, um, which yeah. is good because I have thought at some point in time as the series continues, like, I don't know, like one of these young staff members might end up graduating from college or like moving away or doing what's next. When I'm researching books, I've spent a lot of time talking to real pastry chefs and, and chefs. And there is this sort of piece of that culinary world where young sous chefs get trained up and then they move on. And if you're a good chef, 
that's what you want for your young mm-hmm. staff. So I already kind of like, oh, I feel a little weepy about the thought of like, Ooh, <laughs> at some point, one of these characters might move on and open their own thing. So um, yeah, I'm definitely going to spend more time on Rosa and Marty and Sequoia and some of the newer cast members who have been introduced recently. That's so neat. And yeah, every time Jules mentions Sterling or Andy moving on one day, like my heart just breaks a little bit. I know. <laughs> So yeah, I hope that doesn't happen too soon, or at least that we'll still get to get to see them in the stories. Yeah, I thought about a way that um, I could imagine that Jules, you know, would definitely want to see her young staff thrive just as people have done that for her over the years. So I could imagine that if that happens, and it's not, I haven't even penned this yet, but (laughs) if it happens in the future, that maybe, you know, they would um, be co-conspirators in town or something. <laughs> okay, that that I can handle, that I can live with. <laughs> so speaking of Richard Lord, um, most of your characters are just so darn likable, but then we do meet characters like Richard that are less lovable. Um, and he certainly has a talent for getting under Jules' skin and also ours as readers. So why do you think it's important to have those more obviously flawed characters in a series as well? Well, you know, any good fiction is tension. Uh, so if everything just happens magically and it's unicorns and butterflies and roses for jewels 24-7, you're probably not going to keep wanting to turn the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Richard serves a purpose for constantly putting jewels into spaces where she's uncomfortable, she's frustrated. I will say that Richard is not hard for me to write because he is loosely based on a former boss that I had many years oh, ago. No. Yes. So <laughs> I also sort of love getting to exact some revenge on the page uh-huh. how hideous he is. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, he's definitely a character that as a reader, you just kind of love to hate him. Right. Um, and I actually did like getting to see just a little slice of his backstory and nothing but trouble um, where we got to read some of the entries from Jules's dad's journal. That was fun. Yes. And that's kind of my idea for um, what might happen in a future book with him, where we're going to get a little more of a taste of that, uh-huh. a touch of humanity, but he's always just going to be awful too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So you do have so many amazing characters in the Bake Shop Mysteries, like we've mentioned, and I truly can't even pick a favorite, but I'm wondering if you have a specific character who you particularly enjoy writing. I love writing Lance because (laughs) I never have to think, and this has been true really from day one with Lance. He was so clear to me as a character from really the moment I started writing. I don't have to think about what he's going to say. I know exactly how he's going to interact with Jules. I love that they are almost like this duo when it comes to trying to solve the crime, but they're, they're really bad at it too. (laughs) Um, which I also love. Um, And he's always going to get her in trouble um, in the best possible way. Like (laughs) coerce her into, I don't know, like putting on trench coats and sneaking around Ashland in the (laughs) middle of the night. Um, He's just a super fun character for me to write. Oh yeah. He just jumps off the page. He is so much fun to read. I want to Lance in my life for real. Oh, I know. Me too. I always think that when I read your books. Like, I need a Lance in my life. We all need a Lance. (laughs) Yeah. So if you could write a spinoff series about any one character in the Bake Shop Mysteries, who would you choose? 
Oh, I know. Oh, this is such a great question. I don't know that anyone's ever asked me this one. I, you know, honestly, I think it might be Sterling. Ooh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I just, I love him as a character when in the very first book that he appears in, I actually, I had him initially, he was going to be the killer. I had oh, written, really? Yes. I had written the entire manuscript. Um, I had the perfect backstory. I had the motive. I had, I had his whole arc sketched out. And then I read through the manuscript the first time and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this character. How, like, no, he can't be the killer because uh -huh. he's never going to come back in a future book. So um, I've just always had this affinity toward him. So I, I would love to see a spinoff of him potentially. Oh yeah. I would love to read a Sterling spinoff. I would also love a professor spinoff. Oh, I yes. adore him as a character. <laughs> I do too. And I also really enjoyed your novella and trouble is brewing where you got to bring Sloan Krauss from your series set in Leavenworth to Ashland, where she met up with Jules to solve a case. So if you could pick a character from any book ever written by any author to appear in the Bake Shop Mysteries, who would you choose? Oh my gosh. Can I, I could just like, the list is so long. <laughs> like, where would I even begin to start? I mean, honestly, I think I'm going to go with Darcy Fitzwilliam, Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. Yes, um, absolutely. He, yeah, he's such a romantic, but he's also that sort of, you know, strong and silent type. And you have to crack through that outer shell. Um, and he's so regal and British. And I just, I think there could be some fun with jewels. And I know it's like not exactly Shakespearean time, but yeah, I feel like there's there's a whole like Jane Austen spinoff that could happen uh -huh. somehow. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. And I mean, what, what book wouldn't be better with Mr. Darcy in it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so from the beginning of the series, the team at Tort has just had such a great feeling of camaraderie. So were you nervous when you introduced new characters into that dynamic after Jules and her mom did expand the bakery? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's interesting because the bakery that the series is loosely based on that is here in Ashland, they have over the years expanded in town and opened an ice cream shop and opened um, a hamburger spot. Um, so it's been fun to sort of keep an eye out and watch what that process looks like. And this sort of goes back to the early part of our chat where, um, you know, I get to do all of the fun stuff about owning a bakery and you don't usually see like all the gritty stuff. Like Jules mm -hmm. is always happy to be waking up at 4am with her coffee and like baking and talking about how meditative it is, which in real life, if you own a bakery, you're probably exhausted <laughs> and maybe not as excited about that. Yeah. Uh, um, but I think, I think there's something about that rhythm and flow of new characters that I think I was nervous about, throwing off that dynamic but then that also goes back to the idea of then there's a little tension and and people have to figure out their space again and how you work with each other so um that's kind of meaty to work with from a writing perspective mm -hmm. and it's so funny because as I was reading uh that book specifically I found myself like feeling a little stressed like almost as if I was getting a new co-worker and wondering how you know the dynamic at work would change yeah <laughs> you just had to be like calm down this is fiction it's okay yeah yeah it's funny it's just because they feel so real 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's also talk about the settings in your novels for a minute, because your settings are so vivid that they feel like characters themselves. So why do you choose to set your books in actual locations? I mean, probably because I'm lazy, really. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt that. (laughs) It does feel a little bit like cheating because I don't have to stretch my imagination very much. All of the places that I write about are real. They're just lush and beautiful. They're places I want to either live or visit. And I do think for me, when I'm reading this style of book, I want reading to be an escape. I want it to almost be a travelogue of sorts. Um, When I'm, before I'm traveling somewhere, I will often pick up a cozy or, you know, anything that is set in that location Mm -hmm. to really like immerse myself even more. Um, and so I think that that part was definitely intentional. I want you to feel like you are walking through the plaza. Like, you know, you can, you can see the buskers on the street and you can smell the food and you can see the mountains. And, um, and then it also just goes back to that idea of write what you know, you know, it's, it's easier to be able to go somewhere. And I take pieces that are real and, fictionalize them, you know, and make them my own too. So if you were to come visit Ashland, you would be able to like get a sense, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a mere image of what you might read in the books. Right. Yeah. And we actually did go to Leavenworth this year because of your Sloan Krause series. Um, just cause like, I thought the location was so neat as I was reading and, but I had no idea that it was a real place. And I just like one night happened to Google it as I was reading just on the off chance that it might've been. And then we like literally booked our vacation that night. Like I showed my husband the pictures (laughs) on Google and we were just like, we have to go there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it was just so neat. Cause I, I felt like I was in those books. It was just so cool as such a fan of that series to get to do that. I know. I love that so much. (laughs) Do you have readers reach out to you very often and tell you that they visited Leavenworth or Ashland because of your novels? All the time. It is the absolute best. Nothing makes me happier. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, we are hoping to get to Ashland next year. Fingers crossed. Pandemic pending. We'll go on a Jules Pace. Yes, that would be so great. We would love that. So circling back to Bake, Borrow, and Steal, I thought it was so clever that you referenced double falsehood as the long-lost Shakespearean manuscript that goes missing during the event that Jules and her team are catering. And I'm assuming the inspiration for that came from the play by Louis Theobald, um, which is famously rumored to have been written by John Fletcher and William Shakespeare. But is that correct? That is 100% correct. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's so neat. I just, I loved that you added that little detail. It was like such a fun little Easter egg to find. Um, And I do just learn so much about Shakespeare by reading the Bake Shop Mysteries. Uh, Did you have to do a lot of research or was that something that you knew going in? Well, my dad was, he's a retired English teacher and he focused on Shakespeare. Um, So so neat. Uh, Yes. At a very young age, he had me quoting sonnets and soliloquies, which I did not appreciate when I was younger. (laughs) (laughs) Comes in handy Um, now, though. (laughs) I know. As an adult, I'm I'm very grateful. But um, yeah, so I I had read. I often will just go deep down a rabbit hole of research that I know in the back of my head is never going to actually make it onto the page because ultimately these are cozy mysteries and there's, there's always a touch of Shakespeare, but it's not, you don't need to be a fan of Shakespeare. I say to read this series. Right. Um, 
but I do because Ashland is home to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Um, I love getting to put in those little Easter eggs and touches. So I had I had read an article about this particular play, and then I went down this rabbit hole of research about Shakespeare's origin and and was maybe Shakespeare a woman and all of the battles between the camps of people and um, that could be a whole other book because I think someone uh-huh. could potentially die fighting over who the real <laughs> William Shakespeare actually is. <laughs> right. That's so interesting. And how serendipitous is that, that your dad was having you do that as a child and now you're writing books set in Ashland, which is all about Shakespeare. I know. Yeah. It's like full circle. But again, that goes back to writing what you know, you know, taking those pieces and, and turning them into something fictional. I love that. And so you start all the books in the Bake Shop Mysteries with a saying, um, and in Bake, Borrow, and Still, the first line says, um, they say that the truth rarely stays hidden, that secrets find their way to the surface, even after being buried deep for years. So I'm wondering, do you find those sayings to fit the premise of each book before or after you've written the rest of the novel? Yeah, usually I start with the saying that is going to kind of be the theme of the novel. Uh-huh. I, I think that on two occasions I have gone back and changed them. But I would say, you know, like 80 to 85 percent of the time, whatever phrase or saying I come up with for the beginning of the novel kind of sets the tone and ends up being the the broader theme and maybe that Jules is thinking about. That's so cool. Yeah, they always have like a little hint of foreshadowing and just set the tone of the novel so well. So I love that you do that. Yeah, it kind of it didn't happen um, intentionally to begin with. I just did that for the first book. And then as I was starting to sketch out the second book, a similar quote came into mind. And then it just it evolved from there. Who knew? Yeah, that's so cool. And for our listeners who may not know, can you tell us who Kate E. Dyer Seeley is? <laughs> That's my alter ego, my <laughs> secret identity. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I write under um, two pen names, although I have an entire series under Kate that um, was actually my first set of mysteries published. And then the bake shops really took off and um, as did sort of like the Ellie author name. And so um, at some point in time, I would love to get the rights back to those early Kate novels and republish them as Ellie. Um, that's, that's what I'm putting out in the universe. That's oh, next. Yeah. That would be yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just recently read the Rose city mysteries last week and I just loved that duology. Um, and I have to say that the cottage in that series is probably the coziest location I've ever found in a novel. It's just so charming. I know. I also want that to be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely. There are only two books in that series. So I've also thought, oh, it would be fun to expand that. I, I had other ideas for what I might do with Britta and her aunt. And um, there's kind of this touch of um, Swedish culture because my best friend growing up, her family was from Sweden and Denmark. So. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool to hear how that kind of came about. I, I did like hearing about her Swedish heritage in those novels. And then the flower culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. And that's all based on um, a flower designer and artist, Francoise Weeks out of Portland, Oregon, who does these, I mean, what she does with flowers is just unimaginable. Oh yeah. Full it- gowns and jewelry and everything you can imagine all out of flowers yeah it's so neat like you hear about cozy mystery authors always choosing 
interesting careers for their main character and I was like oh yeah she nailed it in that book completely (laughs) (laughs) so authors are all very busy people it takes an extraordinary amount of time to write a book but you seem even busier than most authors because of the number of novels you write and how active you are on social media and I just particularly love the little video series that you did recently called this time it's murder (laughs) Um, listeners. If you haven't watched those yet, they are so cute and fun. So definitely check them out after the podcast. Um, And I'm curious to know what's a day in the life of Ellie Alexander like. Oh, it's not really that thrilling. (laughs) I always go for a long walk through the mountains of Ashland um, to start my day. So I'll get up, I'll take a nice long walk, hike for about four or five miles, and then I get a coffee, and then I'm at my computer here. I write 2,000 words every day when I'm working on a new book, and so um, that takes up most of like my morning through early afternoon, and then in the early afternoon, I might switch and go on to social. Um, but it's usually just like a lot of time with me talking to myself pacing around my office (laughs) if my neighbors walk by they're like oh wow yeah there she is again (laughs) wow and man it would be so neat to get to start every day hiking around Ashland that sounds magical yeah it's not such a bad gig and I will say um you know I think one of the gifts of social media that And this is something that I've been talking to my writing students a lot is there's so much pressure anymore because, and and my dad, you know, being the Shakespeare teacher, he's like, wait, you know, once you get a book contract, aren't they flying you everywhere? I'm like, oh no, that's not how it works. Um, The onus is really on authors these days to also be marketers. And and that's not necessarily something that comes naturally to most of us, I think. Um, But I think one of the key things you can do is really use social media to just keep world building. You know, a lot of what I'm, I'm sharing is I'm, it's also like feeding my creative energy because when I'm shooting those little short, funny videos of stumbling upon murder, not really murder um, (laughs) in Ashland, I'm just, I'm extending my time in Jules world. And I'm hopefully getting to share that a little bit with readers too. So I think it's just, I think it's a better way to approach it because otherwise it can feel so daunting and intimidating, I think. That's a great way to look at it. And as a reader, it is so much fun just to get to see Ashland and like where Jules and all the cast of characters would be hanging out and just kind of like immerse yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. So before we wrap up, let's do a quick round of lightning questions so readers can get to know you, Ellie Alexander, a little bit better. So I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but coffee or tea? Coffee, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, tea. I, I thought so. <laughs> and book you're reading right now. I am reading An Elderly Lady Must Not Be Crossed by Helene Turston. This is the second book in her series that is phenomenal. Yes. So great. You have to read them. They're short stories. They're wickedly good. I'm dying to read those. I'm going to have to bump them up my list. Yes, do it. And actually her first one, An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good, is kind of holiday-ish. So this would be the perfect time. And that sounds great. They're short. So they're just, they're like, oh, they're so good. They're clever. Mm. Yes, definitely going to bump that up the list for sure then. So you're one of your favorite movies of all time. Well, I'm going to say, again, because we're kind of creeping into this time of year, I'm going to say The Holiday. It's Jude Law. It's Kate Winslet. I mean, (laughs) yeah, always. I watch it every year. 
Yeah. Oh, that one's so great. I love that movie. And your favorite season? Fall. Fall. Yep. Same. And <laughs> favorite genre to read? Ooh. I mean, all of them, honestly. If I had to pick one, I would say I, I read a lot of historical mysteries. Oh, nice. Um, or a lot of just historical fiction. You get me anytime if it's historical fiction. All right. And your favorite food? Hummus. Hummus, yes. An author you'd most like to meet? Mm, Brene Brown? Oh, yeah. That's a great answer. Love her. Yeah. And the location you'd most like to visit? Oh, I'm going to say Guernsey from the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's also a great answer. I love that book. Me too. I want a trip to Guernsey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds Maybe magical. Jules needs to go to Guernsey sometime. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah, let's, let's come up with a plot for that because I would okay. definitely read it. <laughs> <laughs> so like we mentioned earlier, Ellie's next book in the Bake Shop Mysteries, Bake, Borrow, and Still is coming out on December 28th. I absolutely love it and definitely recommend it. Um, so get your pre-orders in if you haven't already. And to wrap things up, Ellie, do you want to tell us what you're working on now and where our listeners can connect with you online? Sure. I am actually working on book 16 of the Bake Shop Mysteries wow. because I'm always so far ahead. And readers can connect with me at ellialexander.co. And um, you can find all my social and information on my books and my courses and my coaching all in that one handy space. Perfect. Well, we are so looking forward to more books from you. I can't wait. And thank you so much again for being on the show today. We really appreciate you coming and spending your time chatting with us about your amazing books. Oh my gosh, the thanks is all mine. It's been a total delight. It has. And I would love to have you on again um, before one of your next books comes out. And I would love to take you on a pastry tour of Ashland. When you yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. That would just be a dream come true. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. All right. Well, thanks so much, Ellie. Um, that's all for today. And listeners, stay tuned for some book recommendations for all of you cozy mystery lovers. At Get Cozy Podcast, we're going to be ending each episode with recommendations for some upcoming cozy mystery releases that you simply can't miss. So without further ado... Here are a couple of cozies to add to your to-read list. This week I have a couple of delightfully cozy recommendations for you, both of which are from some very popular cozy mystery series. The first is Honey Roasted by Cleo Coyle, which comes out on January 25th from Kensington. And in this book, Claire Cozy is busy as a bee planning her honeymoon when murder buzzes into the village blend in this all-new mystery in the beloved New York Times bestselling coffeehouse series by Cleo Coyle. While struggling to find a romantic and affordable destination for her upcoming honeymoon, coffeehouse manager Claire Cozy whips up a plan to serve her outstanding new honey cinnamon latte at her spring wedding to her longtime honey, NYPD detective Mike Quinn. The culinary world is also abuzz about the amazing honey that Claire was lucky enough to source for her shop's new latte. Produced by Madam's old friend, Queen Bee Hastings, the rare prize-winning nectar from Bee's Rooftop Heights commands a premium price and top chefs compete for a chance to use it in their signature seasonal dishes. 
One night, a swarm of escaped bees blanket the village blends chimney, and Claire discovers Bee's unconscious body after she seemingly fell from her high-rise rooftop hive setup. The police want to rule it as a tragic accident or possibly attempted suicide, but Claire doesn't believe either theory. Like Madame, she knows this queen would never abandon her hive. To sort out this mystery, Claire investigates a world of cutthroat chefs, culinary startups, and competitive urban beekeepers. But can she uncover the truth without getting stung? My second recommendation for the week is book number eight in the Noodle Shop Mysteries by Vivian Chin. And that is Hot and Sour Suspects, which comes out on January 25th from St. Martin's Press. And in this book, Lana Lee returns for another delectable cozy set in a Chinese restaurant in Vivian Chin's Hot and Sour Suspects. At the Holy Noodle House, murder is on the menu when Lana Lee's best friend Megan Riley asks her to help host a speed dating contest at Holy Noodle House, she doesn't see the harm in lending a hand. The night goes better than anticipated and both Lana and Megan are beyond thrilled with the results. But before they can break out the champagne, Rena Sue, fellow Asia Village shop owner and speed dating participant, calls to inform Lana that the date she's just matched with has been murdered. Under suspicion of foul play, Rena enlists Lana's help in finding out what really happened that night. Without hesitation, Lana begins to dig into the man in question. To her dismay, she quickly finds that Rena's date has a rather unsavory past. There's a long line of slighted women, angry neighbors, and perturbed co-workers, all of whom seem to have a motive. As Lana continues to spiral down the treacherous path of scorned lovers and mistreated acquaintances, she can't help but dwell on how quickly an innocent evening filled with hope and positivity can turn so sour. When the media gets in on the case, Lana must rush to find the killer before more dates turn deadly. That's all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at GetCozyPodcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Also follow me at Cozy Christie. That's Cozy, K-R-Y-S-T-I, to see which cozies I'm reading and recommending. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy.